Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. A lot of times when we think of grieving, we immediately think of losing someone to death, right? And we're losing and and grieving that loss. But grief and loss is so much more than just death. And today we're going to be talking about loss when it comes to the loss of your marriage, divorce. And Ann Browning has joined me today. She has something called the the tears of healing. And we're going to be discussing that when it comes to divorce. And when I first met Anne, she had a very interesting story about going to her first divorce support group and why that was her last divorce support group. So could we start with that story, Anne? Yeah. And I think, thank you, Sherry. And thanks for having me here. Um, I think it was also the reason that um, I got with Linda DeBelzer and she and I put together Tears of Healing um, for people who go to groups at their church or their synagogue or their community center to move through, um, through grief. Because what happened that particular night, I had been told by a friend, oh, you should go to a divorce group and they've got one at this local church. And I went and the facilitator had us sharing our stories as they do. And this one woman told this horrific story about um, her husband who was a, a dentist and he had been taking money and putting it in an offshore account and she didn't know. And next thing you know, he's taken the um, receptionist and he's left the country. She was left with a son and no money and she'd been a stay-at-home mom for oh, during her marriage. And I thought at that time, because I was just new into my husband uh, having an affair with uh, my good friend, and I just thought, wow, her story's so much worse than mine. I think I'll meet with her and um, I'll feel better about my story because hers is worse. I don't know. That sounds like <laughs> a very bad <laughs> characteristic of me, but at the time, that's what I thought. So after the group was over, I went up to her and I, I introduced myself and I said, how long has it been, you know, since you've been divorced or how long has it been since uh, your husband left? And she looked me right in the eye and said, 12 years. And I thought, oh my God, 12 years. I'm just going to go home and take a razor to my wrist right now. Cause I cannot feel like how I feel right now for 12 years. And, um, it was you talk, I love your, your title of graduating grief. And I think so many people, that's where they stay. They mm-hmm. stay in the story of their loss, whether it's a loss of, of death or it's a loss of um, a job or it's a loss of a, a marriage or whatever the loss is. They stay there and, and I'm not discounting how horrible it is to go through a divorce. Uh, I, I know what that's like. And also, or discounting it all, the, the loss of somebody through death. That's another horrible, horrible um, loss. However, we are designed to move forward. You know, the whole 
all of creation is designed to move forward. And uh, so that's that's why I eventually, years later, wrote Tears, because I thought, we've got to get some facilitators who can move people forward and not have them keep telling the same story for 12 years. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would scare me. And my story is a little bit different in that my group was wonderful and loving and kind and compassionate and all those people are right. Mm-hmm. But it came to the point about maybe 18 months into it. I said, I, I don't want to be here anymore. It's, it's too painful. I don't want to have a, to have to have a bi-weekly appointment with my grief with deep sadness anymore. I want to learn how to live. I want to learn how to move forward. Right. And, you know, and sometimes telling your story is healing. It is. I mean, it definitely was for me too. But oh, then yeah. there's this graduation process, right? You, you, you must move forward. I always tell people, if you lay, you decay. You've got to get up. You well, gotta get moving again. If you lay, you decay. Yes. I love that. If you lay, you decay. Don't you think that's true? Oh. All the stuff, the anger festers and it grows in the stories and it and it multiplies and it and it becomes the definition of who you are now. It is. And that's who you see yourself as. And if you are even if you just look out at, at nature and when rivers i was just thinking when you said if you lay a decay because that's what happens like for rivers or creeks or something that Mm -hmm. don't move they get all dammed up and they get putrid and um they decay so yeah 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 i love i'm just i really like that oh well thank you (laughs) (laughs) so tell me yeah so tell me um you know I want to go back to, you know what? I mean, loss and grief are painful, dreadfully painful. And, and the waves can still come back. Moving forward does not mean that you'll never have a bad day or that you'll never revisit that with sadness. It just means that you're continuing to move forward. And you, I call it graduating. You call it tears. Right. 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 Yeah. So let's talk about those those tears um, of of helping people as they divorce. How do you step them gently into the direction away from their story and into their healing? Well, I think it's first, as you were saying, we need to tell our story. And that's the, the first tear is you are kind of in shock um, of what's happened. And actually I've worked with people, I I do divorce coaching and I've worked with people who've actually been the person who left, not the person who was Was cheated on or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And even those people who they make a conscious decision, I can't stay in this marriage anymore, I'm gonna leave. They still have to tell their story because it still isn't in their mind when two or three years ago, they had a vision of where they were going to be in two years. Cause we all do that. We think, you know, maybe not so much with this pandemic about what we're going to be doing tomorrow, but we've got an idea of what we're going to be doing tomorrow. And that changes all of a sudden, this person that you were married to, that you had, you were going to 
um, retire with, or you were going to have a child with, or you were going to go to graduation of your children with, or whatever it is that is there, everything then stops. And who you are and who you've defined yourself as begins to change. So to begin to tell that story and move out of the shock, that's what helps get rid of the shock. It makes it begin to be, oh yeah, this did happen. And I think also by telling your story, sometimes you'll get people to say, yes, that happened to me and you'll get through it. Um, hopefully you won't meet somebody who says, oh yeah, I'm, I still feel like that after 12 years. Um, but you'll begin to move through it. You'll also begin to get comfort. So I think a lot of that has, it's very important that first mm, part of active grieving, it's very active. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're crying in the grocery store, you're, you know, uh, you hear a song on the radio and you dissolve. So it's a very active type of grieving. And, but then once you've done that, then the second step, the second tier is the one that I think a majority of us, a majority of people get hung up on and that's acceptance. And you can see that even as we look at the pandemic, the acceptance of life's different. And I had a woman who, um, Debbie Ford that I used to work with and work for and train some of her coaches. And she had a great saying that the pain is in the resistance of resisting what is, of wanting to go back to what was. Um, and we can't, you can't go back to what was because it's not there anymore. And that's where a lot of pain is. And when you say to somebody, you need to accept it, sometimes they hear, well, I have to say that it's okay. You don't have to right. say it's okay. You can say, this sucks. I hate this. I hate him. I hate her. Um, but this is where I am right now. And this is what happened. And this is what's facing me. Because you then move from being a victim of your circumstances to a victor and being able to look at what is and change it. Yeah. So acceptance is, is very, very important. And I love that, that you say, you know what, you do not have to say, <laughs> you know, like you, you can want it to be different, but it's not. Right. So you have to live in the land of what now? Exactly. And until you can accept where you are now, you can't say what now, because what you're saying to yourself is, how do I go back? How do I go back? How do right. I go back? Um, and I think that that's honestly, if I, if I look at it from a perspective of loss from death, which is final, right. okay, there's finality there. That person is never coming back. Right. Divorce, there's kind of like maybe this false hope that something could change. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. That might be a little harder to accept. I, it I, might be more challenging to accept. Um, there were times in the early days that I used to think, I just wish he died. I wish he died. Not, I wish he'd left me for somebody else that I then began to compare myself to. Um, yeah. I, I think then there was a, a a final, I can't, I can't do 
anything going forward. For me, it was when he married her. That was my final, my okay. final, um, oh my gosh, he probably won't divorce her <laughs> and come back to me. Um, so that was kind of like my final, you better accept this. Uh, wow. And you better try to figure out what you're going to do now because all of the other things that you've been trying are certainly not working. Do you find people that you coach are still trying to manipulate that acceptance and still trying to spend too much time there trying to reverse the situation? Absolutely, Sherry. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they also, and I would like to say, I I, I didn't wish this, I I didn't do it actively, but I kind of wished my kids wouldn't like him. Um, Oh, yeah. But I've had, uh, I, I definitely have had clients who that's, they want people to align with them against the other person. They want that alignment. They want the friends to align. They want the kids to align. Um, and it's one thing to ask your friends to align, uh, but to ask your children to align is, oh, it's so detrimental to the family and to what could be in the future. And, um, and I will say before, while I'm thinking of it, that there's huge hope. If you are going through a divorce or if you're contemplating a divorce, or if you've been a number of years divorced and just thinking everything has fallen apart and my family isn't there anymore. Through very specific steps, you can definitely get to a place where you're still family. You're still family with the ex. Um, Mm -hmm. unless of course there's abuse or something like that, but that's a whole other Mm -hmm. issue than just what I see most of the time. And and the thing is you can truly decide at the very beginning that this is how it's going to be decide. It might not be the easiest thing, but if you make that decision, you can work toward it to where it might become a little effortless you know, eventually down the road. I know it sounds probably impossible, infeasible, you know, at the beginning and middle stages, but it is possible. And I'm sure that you've seen many cases of that. Absolutely. I, I think when you make a decision, even though it seems out of the realm of possibility, but if you just say, this is what I decide I'm going to do. This is what I've decided life is going to be like. Um, then things shift and how you look at it shifts. Um, And you begin to, your emotions begin to shift. So, and I think that's part of the heal is to begin to decide. I'm not, it was like that the day that I thought, I am not, my decision is I'm not going to feel like this in 12 years. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure that, um, this is not me in 12 years, I'm sitting in some church basement telling my story. Yeah. And it's, I'm still in this huge amount of pain. Uh, No. Not an option. Not an option. So the the next tier is forgiveness. That's a hard one, especially if you've been one that's been wronged. If you've been one who's been done wrong in this. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that was something that I, I come from a, a church background, a pretty, and I, and I used to teach classes to kids and stuff, mm-hmm. religious classes. 
And so I was big on, oh yeah, forgiveness. And then it was like, okay, put your money where your mouth is, Anne. And I thought, okay, I'm going to forgive. And I'd be like, okay, God, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to forgive them. And finally I started saying, okay, God, help me want to forgive. Cause I did not want to forgive. I just absolutely did not want to forgive what had happened. Um, because I think it's at some level, I thought if I forgive this, I'm going to make it that it's okay. And again, it's one of those things that if you forgive, you're not doing it for the other person. You're doing it for yourself. There's that saying about, you know, when, when you are, um, not forgiving, you're, you know, drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the other person. And it, they were very happy. And I was over there angry and hateful and wishing bad things would happen to them, um, which wasn't my normal personality at all. And mm -hmm. so uh, um, I think forgiveness is, is key. For me, it was key. And it's forgiveness for me was key and also with the people that I work with when they can get to the point where they can forgive themselves and they can forgive the other person or people in the situation mm -hmm. that's when the like miracles happen that's when you can have thanksgiving together that's when you can go to a wedding together and dance with your ex that's when um you can look at your grandchildren and smile at each other and see that there's the two of you now have these kids. Um, so that's where it happens, the forgiveness. Uh, um, and different situations, it's a little harder to forgive. Um, so but forgiveness is key. Yeah. Forgiveness can, and how long did it take you to get to that stage? Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> For a very long time. It was a very gradual process, very gradual process. Um, and, and then, oh boy, then I was like, can I forgive myself? Because then as I started working on healing, then I could see, oh, wow, look what, what you did in the marriage. Instead of it being, oh, poor me, I was just such a victim and I was being the perfect wife and then boom, everything exploded. And then, um, I began to have to forgive myself for some of the things that I did. And, and I worked with, uh, I've worked with a couple people who've been the person who left and their amount of trying to forgive themselves is really big too. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a very gradual thing. I don't, it's not like I woke up one day and I thought, Oh, it's all lifted. I, I completely forgive. So it took, a lot of work, a lot of work. Um, and that's one of the things I want to reiterate with people listening uh, right now as you're graduating grief. One of the biggest falsehoods of all of this is that time will heal all wounds. Um, I believe it's time and hard work. <laughs> and you worked very hard. I can see that you've worked very hard. And and that's, you can't coach people unless they're willing to work hard at this, right? Right, right. Um, and also to know that 
you are always going to be a different person. You are going to have some scars. And I know this sounds like Pollyanna, but there's a lot of value to having some scars. There's a lot of value of being able to look out at the world and begin to see that, um, that this is possible, that, you, that people can forgive each other and move on and have new visions. Um, so, but, you're, but as far as I'm gonna feel like I felt when I was married and living you know, outside of Phoenix and everything was a certain way, I will never go back to that. And many ways, many, many, many ways. And the more that I get away from it, the more I see how absolutely perfect it was that I got away from it. Cause I don't mm -hmm. think I would have ever left on my own. Um, so, you know, but that's, again, it's a time thing. It's a, it's a big time. Thing, so. Mm -hmm. So give yourself the grace of time, even if you've made the decision, if you in, you know, a month are not feeling like you're healed, please realize that it's the combination of time and hard work. You know, it's not just time and it's not just hard work. You can be working very hard at the beginning and still be heartbroken a month later. You, it's yeah. a process. And Sherry, you had said earlier about it being, you're, you, you're working along and then all of a sudden, you might feel a bad day or, or you'll have, uh, you'll get angry again, or you'll get really sad again. Um, that's so, so normal. And that's the other thing is to give yourself that permission that if, if you have a day like that, or even a few days like that, mm -hmm. that you, that you're not going backwards, that right. that's just a part of healing. Right. Absolutely. The last thing you want to talk about today when it comes to the tears of healing is vision. And I love that because that does address the what now and what chapter am I going to write? Um, that is one of the things that for my clients that will get a vision and for myself, when I got a vision, um, that's what pulls you forward instead of going backwards. So, and it's not a goal. It's not like, okay, I'm going to feel this way in a year or in six months, I'm going to be, those are all very good. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to begin reaching out more, any of the goals that you said, but a vision is how do I want my life to feel? How do I want my life to look? what do I want to have in the future that I can begin to move forward to and I can begin to start <clears throat> putting things in place to have that happen. Um, and your vision will change, you know, as you, as you go along. So um, my vision was I wanted I liked being married. It wasn't like I had a bad marriage. It was, I thought, a pretty good marriage at the time. And and I liked having family. I like family and stuff. And so my vision was family. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure what that looked like, but I knew that that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to share my life with, and I wanted some type of family type thing. I wasn't sure how that would look. Um, 
And I have that. I definitely have that. And I had that within probably six years. Wow. So, uh, and, and, and that was without anybody to help me along. I didn't have the books. I didn't, there weren't coaches. I, uh, I didn't have a counselor or anything like that. I just read and prayed and read and prayed and did a bunch of whatever I could find that I thought would help. I did that. So uh, I think from a lot of people who are working with a person such as you or, or somebody else, or they're in a group that's really supportive and moves them forward. And they begin to say, how do you want it to look? And it doesn't mean that you have to do that. You might right. have a vision of, okay, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to become an attorney and, and I'm going to do this. And then you find that what you're now doing is you're working at the local daycare center, uh, taking care of little ones and doing something completely different than what your vision was. But it's mainly that feel of being needed or wanted or whatever it is that is your vision. So, yeah. I love that. You can have a vision. You know, I mean, it's so funny because if I would have had the vision, I mean, the vision of what I had when I was a younger me compared to if I had that now sounds like absolutely so unappealing. <laughs> <laughs> so unappealing. Yeah. And so you have to give yourself permission that if you're not in the space where you want to be or where you thought you had planned to be, uh -huh. it's okay if if the space that you're in is a good one and it yeah. makes you feel good. Right. Exactly. Yeah, ex exactly. So um, I still do a vision board every year or I, I, I do drawings, I call it, picture it. But I still do that. My, my husband and I both do that every year. I'm surrounded by three vision yeah. boards from three different years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because there's a section on one of my boards where I'm hiding now because I don't desire that anymore on that board. Yes. Right. And so it's like not important to me now. No. Uh-uh. No. Just not important to me now. So I just find it we we grow and we evolve that's what we're supposed to be doing as human beings, whether it's, you know, inside a marriage or outside of marriage, whether it is, you know, having all of your loved ones near losing your loved ones, whether it is having your dream job or losing that dream job, having your health or not having your health, we're still supposed to be moving in a forward direction. Yeah. 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 You're exactly right, Sherry. We do. We all need to begin moving in a forward direction. So, so tell me, you have devised these workbooks to help people through this, yeah. and um, and people can get copies of these workbooks. Yeah. Um, but you also have facilitator guides that, if people want to do something in their community, they can do. Yes, that. and the facilitator guides we are offering them, or I am offering them, at absolutely no cost. That's wow. my gift back. Um, the facilitator guide goes through all four tiers um, and you can do it over a course of a year with a group of people, or you can do it a course of different weekends or however it is, but it's very, very specific, very specific. It's, a, it's something that if you were, you've never worked with people, but you really have a heart and you think, oh, I'd really like to facilitate a, a group. You could pick this um, guide up and it tells you what music to play, how to set up the room, um, 
exactly what to do to move everybody forward, what homework people need to work on. And, and then of course you can contact uh, me or in Canada, we also have it in Canada, uh, Linda DeBelzer, if you had questions that you got stuck on. So um, yeah, so if people are interested, they can get a hold of me and I'd be happy to get that to them. All right, and they can go to Tears of Healing, and it's T I E R S, not not right. the crying tears, but it's like but tears levels, right? right? So that's wonderful. They can always email me. It's just Ann at Ann Browning. It's real easy. So they Ann at Ann Browning dot com. Um, if they wanna get a copy of it, and then the workbooks themselves are on uh, Tier One, Tier Two, Tier Three, and Tier Four are on Amazon. Those are and they can be downloaded either to Kindle or you can get a hard copy. All right. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, I appreciate you. Thanks so much. And thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.